Hello everyone and welcome to the Dr. Christian Hyde podcast where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. Hey, it's so great to have you here again. I'm Caroline Heim and I'm excited today because we're starting a new podcast series, Overcome Negative Thoughts, Overcome Useless Thoughts. This is for everyone wanting to understand and improve their thoughts to help make their mind a better place. Oh my goodness, I so need my mind to be a better place. It's so important for mental health. Hey, if you like these podcasts, please subscribe, ring your bells, spread the word and recommend them to others. In these uncertain times, please stay mentally healthy and share your love. Here's Dr. Christian Heim. Hello, everybody. Dr. Christian Heim here, starting a new podcast series. What is the series? The series is Overcoming Negative Thoughts, Overcoming Useless Thoughts. Why are we doing this? Because of one big secret. Your thoughts, together with your feelings, make up more than 90% of your life. We do live inside our heads. The experience of our life is reconstructed inside our heads. So if we can make our thoughts better and our feelings better, the quality of our life gets better. I have useless thoughts and I have used these techniques to help me in that. And I use these with the people that I work with. How are we going to do it? Well, in my clinical work as a psychiatrist, I work with people's emotions, with their actions, but mainly their thoughts. We talk, we share ideas. This is working with thoughts. And we use certain therapies. We use cognitive therapy, behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, narrative therapy, psychodynamic therapy, and every psychobabble therapy that there is out there. We use it, they work. I will adapt these approaches to help you overcome useless thoughts in you. In these podcasts, the techniques get progressively more complex. The idea is for you to find the right one for you because you know what? Each brain is unique. Your brain is unique and you will need to find the techniques that work for you. So what are we looking at in this podcast? We are going to look at what thoughts are. We are going to look at the five characteristics of thoughts We're going to look at some of the science, philosophical speculation and wisdom of thoughts. But first, I'm going to introduce you to the two basic thought skills. You will need this for all of the podcasts. You will want to get on top of all of this so that you'll be able to overcome useless thoughts in your life. All right. Basic thought skill number one, I call the knack. N-A-C-C. You're going to have to get used to my corny acronyms. They work. They help you remember things, but you can laugh at them as much as you want. The NAC, N-A-C-C, is used to notice your thoughts. So I want you to get the knack of noticing your thoughts. This is how it works. N is for notice. A is for awareness. C is for choose. And C is to concentrate. So the NAC, N-A-C-C, is to notice your thoughts, to be aware of your thoughts, so you can choose to concentrate on useful thoughts. That's the NAC. You notice your thoughts by asking yourself one question. What am I thinking right now? 
As soon as you answer that question, then you are noticing your thoughts. Then you are aware of your thoughts. And in that state, you have freedom to choose to concentrate on thoughts that are useful. I'm going to come back to that time and time again. The second basic thought skill is to work with your thoughts. Have a good laugh at that one because that's really corny. Work with your thoughts, W-I-D. Now, W-I-D stands for write it down. Write your thoughts down, write your beliefs down, write your goals down, write your ideas down, write it down. When you write it down, then you can work with your thoughts, right? Now, those are the two basic thought skills that you will use throughout all of this. But let's get into the podcast for today. What are thoughts anyway? The scientific bottom line about thoughts is really easy. We don't know how or where thoughts are generated. All that we can sure, be sure of is that they are generated in our brains somewhere, so they must be ours somehow. Recent scientific evidence suggests that the left superior temporal cortex may be one area where the brain puts together ideas like dog, bite, and man to come up with a more complex idea like, I'd love to see that man biting the dog. Or can I please see a dog manning a bite? All right, now I said that this happens in the left superior temporal cortex. Let's just go through that because that sounds really complex, but it actually isn't. Left, all right, you know where the left side of your brain is. Superior, put your hand somewhere near the top of your brain. Temporal, you know where your temples are, that side bit of your head in between your eye and your ears, that's the temporal. So above that, because remember we're superior, that's the left superior temporal area. Now the cortex just means crust, so it's on the outside of the brain. So just under your skull, there, that's where these things happen. Still, we don't know where thoughts of a dog, bite, or man are actually generated. This is where they put it together. Where they're generated, we don't know. They're probably within neural networks somewhere and they develop continuously throughout our lives and all our thoughts are unique because of our unique experiences and our unique brains and our unique minds. We have a long way to go before we understand thoughts, but we all experience thoughts. We all know what thoughts are. And so all that we can really say is that thoughts are subjective experiences in our mind and life is lived in a sense through our thoughts. As a psychiatrist, I deal with thoughts every day in my working life. I have to consider whether thoughts are normal or abnormal, whether they're useful or if they're pathological or useless. Unfortunately, I've got to make huge assumptions to make such judgments still Making these judgments, I'm able to help people through mental health issues. Because for mental health, you want thoughts to be normal, healthy, inspiring, valuable, and useful. When we get other thoughts, thoughts that are not healthy, normal, inspiring, valuable, or useful, they can lead to mental illness, but they don't necessarily lead to mental illness because remember, we all get useless thoughts. Although when we get really bad thoughts, it feels bad because we feel alone and think we're the only ones, but we're not. This happens to everybody. So in my work, I have to help overcome 
anxious thoughts, depressive, ruminative, obsessional, intrusive, or melancholic thoughts, overvalued thoughts, delusional thoughts, self-referential thoughts, worrying thoughts, perseverative thoughts, persecutory thoughts, psychotic thoughts, phobias, and useless thoughts. These are the problems and that I see as enemies because they lead to suffering, depression, anxiety, PTSD, and more. They can even lead to suicide and homicide. And knowing about all of this helps me treat and diagnose mental illness. We all experience these, okay? That's what we want to avoid. That's why we want to overcome useless thoughts. So let's get on to the characteristic of thoughts. We may not know the origins of thoughts, but the characteristics of thoughts have been well articulated. This will help us grab hold of thoughts, understand thoughts, and begin to mold them into the kind of thoughts that we think are useful. So I'm going to start with insights by pioneer psychologist William James. He wrote these characteristics of thoughts in a book of 1896 called The Principles of Psychology. And this book holds a lot of insights for us even today. Before I get into his five main characteristics of thoughts, I have to let you know that uh, William James coined the idea of a stream of consciousness. Uh, He actually called it a stream of thoughts. But this is the metaphor, and it's a metaphor that we still use today. It is really, really helpful. The metaphor is your mind is like the riverbed of a mountain stream. Now, if there's no water, there's no stream. But if it has a stream of water flowing through it, it is like thoughts flowing through your mind. Each thought is like a droplet of water. Each thought is independent, and yet it's connected to the flow of all the other water flowing through your riverbed mind. I find that absolutely fascinating because it does articulate what our stream of consciousness is actually like. When you have that stream of consciousness, you are alive. If you don't have that stream of consciousness, you're like a dry riverbed. It's like a dead brain. There are no thoughts there. But when the water is flowing, the mountain stream comes alive. And when you have thoughts flowing through your riverbed, you come alive. So that's the metaphor of the stream of consciousness. Thank you, William James. Thank you so much for that. All right. Let's go into what William James actually said. He listed five characteristics of thoughts. I'll go through them, then I'll go through them in detail. Number one, thoughts are ours. Number two, thoughts are constantly changing. Number three, thoughts are continuous in our stream of consciousness. Number four, thoughts are about things. And number five, the thoughts about things are selective depending on the thinker. All right, let's go through that in more detail. Thoughts are ours. Just like the water of a mountain stream belongs to that mountain stream, it can't have water from another stream unless other water from other stream flows into it. So too, thoughts are yours. They're part of your personal consciousness. It's normal to feel that you own your thoughts. This is why we say things like, so these are my thoughts on the matter. Yeah, I'm just thinking about what you said. Wait until I collect my thoughts. Oh, you know what? I can't even make thought, uh, sense of my own thoughts. You can share your thoughts by communicating to somebody else, but you can't actually say, you know what? I'm thinking your thoughts. 
That's not reality. Anybody having that experience will eventually need to see somebody like me because medications can help. Through communicating thoughts, we share them, but we can't give them away or steal them. Thoughts are intangible. Now, there might be a, a, a certain zeitgeist, so something that's happening in society, which means that all of us may be thinking the same kinds of thoughts around the same time, like social issues or a virus or global events. But each of our thoughts are individual. They belong to our individual brain. Now, there's something very important about this that, uh, that you want to be able to grasp, and that is that although we own our thoughts, our thoughts are ours, we still are separate from our thoughts. It's a bit like owning a dog. The dog is not you, but you are responsible for any mess that dog makes. That's part of the premise of this book. It's a relationship where you are separate from your thoughts and you can take responsibility for your thoughts and mold them into what you want. So you own your thoughts, but you are separate from your thoughts. That all comes from William James insight number one. We own our thoughts. Number two, thoughts are constantly changing. Now, this is our experience of life. We all actually know this. Uh, science has shown that you can't actually think more than one thought at a time, but thoughts can race through your mind at an incredible speed and you can move your focus from one thing to another very, very quickly. And here's the thing, you may think about the same thing twice, but the second time you think about it, you are a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and that changes everything. Every second, your life changes. So a thought that you have that may seem the same as yesterday's thought is already slightly different. Nothing is ever the same. Your brain is constantly growing. It's developing. And just wanting to overcome some thoughts is already a growth in your brain. Because what you would like, what you'd like to get out of this, I surmise, is that you want your mind to become a better place. Let's go to William James insight number three. Thoughts are continuous in your stream of consciousness. We experience our thoughts as part of one stream of wakeful consciousness. Sometimes this wakeful consciousness gets interrupted. And the two examples that I'll give you is, number one, when you sleep, your level of consciousness goes down and you don't have that same awareness of your thoughts. But as soon as you wake up, you go, okay, where am I? Who am I? It all comes rushing back to you. You know exactly who you are and you pick up from where you left off. The other time is when you have a general anesthetic for a, an operation. Uh, it stops your continuous stream of consciousness. But as soon as you wake up, there you are, the stream of consciousness is right there again. Let's pause for a second. Let's have a little bit of an aside. I'll walk over here for an aside. Perhaps this stream of consciousness, the stream of thoughts, as William James put it, is you. Perhaps this is what we call the self, the stream of consciousness, ourselves. Scientists do not know what the self is. Some scientists conclude that the self is a delusion. Other scientists conclude that the self is part of the universe. Uh, to some people, the self is a soul that exists outside the body and the brain. 
but it is this unbroken stream of consciousness which gives us a memory and a sense of self. This is me. This is what I was thinking yesterday. Here I am today. This is what I'm thinking today. And this is what I want to do tomorrow. This continuous stream of consciousness is where your thoughts occur, just like water in a riverbed. Remember that uh, a thought may be an individual droplet, yet it is continuous and it flows within your riverbed of consciousness. Insight number four from William James is that thoughts are about things. You cannot actually have a thought about nothing unless nothing, in inverted commas, is the thing that you are thinking about. A thought can't exist on its own. It always exists in relationship to something. Now, this is not just a clever truism. In a sense, it also gives reality to things of the world. If two or more people think the same way about something, then they're not having two separate subjective experiences which randomly line up. It means that something outside of the two people must exist. So the chances are we're not just brains sitting in vats. And perhaps thoughts affirm reality outside the thinker as much as in the thinker themselves. So we've heard of René Descartes' I think, therefore I am. And yeah, we'll talk a bit more about that a bit later. But perhaps it goes further than that. Perhaps the world exists because we all think it does. All right, so that's insight number four. Thoughts are about things. Insight number five is that thoughts about things are selective depending on the thinker. So depending on who you are and what you are interested in, that shapes your thoughts about anything you see or think about. Let's take something harmless like a leaf. All right, so superficially you think everybody can think about a leaf. We're all thinking about the same leaf. Not quite. We may see the same leaf, but the way that we relate to that leaf depends on all of our history, all of our context on who we are, not the leaf. For example, a botanist may think about the leaf's scientific classification. A cook might think, you know what, I might be able to use this leaf to flavor a stew, but probably not. An artist may think, look at the subtle color changes on that leaf. And a poet may think about the lush green metaphors that a leaf suggests. And a greenkeeper may say, get that leaf off my lawn, please. Thoughts occur in a thinker's mind according to the thinker's context, personal preferences, history and interests, rather than being objective and fixed. It's another way of saying that thoughts are subjective. So let's apply these five ideas to your own thoughts. You own your thoughts about your thoughts. Your thoughts about your thoughts are constantly changing. You're listening to this podcast and your thoughts are already changing. You will detect, this is number three, a continuity of your thoughts in your stream of consciousness. Remember the mountain stream and water flowing through it. Number four, you will think about your thoughts as though they were separate to you. You always think about something. And number five, you will think about your thoughts according to your own perspective. You're interested in your thoughts changing. You have problem thoughts. You want certain better thoughts. There are certain thoughts that you want to get rid of. And you know what? You can't even tell anybody else what they are. But this podcast will help you depending on your situation. All right. So straight away, 
I've got you pondering your thoughts. And what I'm doing is getting you to create distance between you and your thoughts, getting you to have the experience that thoughts are separate from you. Your thoughts are not you. This is an important take home message. It will be very useful in your quest to overcome useless thoughts. You can start to treat your thoughts a bit like your clothing. You know what? I don't like this thought. How do I take it off? Right? But your clothing, your shirt, your underwear, whatever is not you. They may be a part of you, but already having made the decision, I don't want these kind of thoughts anymore, is like saying, I just don't want to wear that dress anymore. So the take home message that I'm kind of hammering home, as you've noticed, is that you're not your thoughts but you can relate to your thoughts in a certain way. And all of that comes from William James's insight that we own our thoughts and they happen on our stream of consciousness and that thoughts are about things, but we can relate to them in a certain way. All right, Christian, I hear you, I hear you, but you still haven't told me what thoughts are. What the hell are thoughts? All right, even the characteristics that we just talked about from William James, 1896, says very little about what thoughts actually are. He says that thoughts are subjective experiences. So I'll go a little bit deeper into this idea of what are thoughts, because again, it'll help us overcome thoughts. It's kind of interesting too. Well, I, I find it interesting. All right, so I'm going to look at three things. I'm going to look at fact, I'm going to look at speculation, that is now a theory, and I'm going to look at ancient wisdom, all to do with thoughts. The first thing that I'm going to look at is fact. Thoughts can be measured at, as electrochemical processes inside the brain. Your brain. Your brain is a complex, interesting, unfathomable universe made up of about 60 to 100 billion neurons. They communicate with each other. There's an elaborate highway of electrical cables, which we call axons and dendrites, and they stretch some 150,000 kilometers. And through the electricity going along these superhighways and through the release of chemicals like dopamine, adrenaline, noradrenaline, serotonin, endorphins, enkephalins, glutamine, oxytocin, and a whole lot more, a network of these neurons mediate thoughts. See, I can't even say generate thoughts or make thoughts because we don't know that, all right? So that's, that's all that we know. But here's the interesting thing. A thought is the product of thinking. And scientifically, with imaging techniques, we have actually seen a thought as it flashes through a neural network. And that's actually really exciting because seeing is believing, thoughts exist, there they are, there's an electrical impulse, we have seen it. Yeah, but mapping out a thought's electrical impulse doesn't say anything about the origin of the thought or the purpose of the thought. It's a bit like watching a tennis ball. Imagine that you see this tennis ball flying through the air. It's a green ball, it's a little bit furry, and we can describe it. And of course, it's round, it's a huge sphere, and we can measure it. But if you didn't know what the game of tennis was all about, you don't understand the why of the ball. Who threw this ball? Where did it come from? What's the purpose of this particular ball? And what are the rules of the game that the ball's involved in? We don't know. All that we know is that balls exist and they can be measured. That's basically where we are at with thoughts. Getting from describing the trajectory of a ball to understanding the purpose of a tennis ball, basketball, baseball, soccer ball, or a golf ball, or who's playing, or why they're playing, that's a huge shift. So 
it's pretty rudimentary where we are with thoughts. Still, it's exciting that we know that a thought can be seen and measured, and we know now that a thought is chemical and electrical energy. All matter, so Albert Einstein tells us, and all of the physicists tell us, is energy. Electrical and chemical brain processes give rise to mind and thought. It's all energy. That means that you, your brain, your thoughts, are all fundamentally made of the same stuff as the whole universe. Okay, so this ventures into the idea number two, the philosophical speculation, which has become scientific theory. And this is a philosophical speculation that was made actually in 1886, thanks to our friend William James again, but it was articulated as a scientific idea in 1927 by Sir Arthur Eddington. All right, so here's a philosophical speculation that's now a scientific theory. The universe is made of mind stuff. I'm going to say that again, that the whole universe is made of mind stuff. So in other words, that the universe and your mind have a lot in common. Essentially, they're the same thing. Okay, so this is a wild, way out, idealistic, scientific hypothesis and uh Sir Arthur Eddington was a cosmologist who gave a series of lectures in 1927 to the Royal Society. Now, I've got to tell you a bit about Arthur Eddington. He's best remembered for his contributions to the study of light. He also introduced the work of Albert Einstein to the English-speaking world, because you've got to remember that after World War I, uh, anything written in the German language uh, was not terribly popular. So, when talking about mind stuff, particularly at the time, Sir Arthur Eddington was speaking as much as a philosopher as a scientist. But here's the thing, we're now starting to get evidence for his ideas. Arthur Eddington basically asked this question, how can we know anything beyond our thoughts? Here's some of his ideas. What are we going to do for Arthur Eddington? Uh, we experience and understand the universe only through our minds. Our minds build representations of the universe inside our brains. Thank you, Arthur. Anything else? Yes, we can only ever be sure of our minds. Remember Descartes' idea, I think, therefore I am. I can be sure of my mind, you can be sure of yours. But all we know beyond our own minds is inference. We can't really be sure that a separate universe actually exists. Really, Arthur? Yes. The universe may only be a duplicate copy of what we think with our minds. Really, Arthur? Yes. You can be sure of your mind, as I'm sure of mine, but whatever we agree upon may constitute objective reality, and this is how we scientifically know stuff. Oh, thanks, Arthur. Oh, one more thing. Uh, because of all of these things, it's actually possible that physical reality doesn't actually exist. All that we've done is think it into existence. Wow. Arthur, that last statement, it conjures up the picture of all of us being connected brains sitting in vats. But i got to let you know that Eddington makes it clear that he believes that an objective universe actually exists if people know it or not. He says that the moon reflects light from the sun if we know it or not, and that the moon is a certain distance away from us if we measure it or not. And he's the sort of person that would say, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, a bloody tree still bloody well fell in the bloody forest. 
Why am I telling you all of this? I want it's a bit of fun and it's interesting, but also I want to let you know the importance that Eddington places on thought. He actually makes the claim that thought gives reality to the whole universe, that the universe may actually be made up of the same stuff that our mind is made up of. At the very least, he's saying that our mind, the universe, are both connected through thought. All right, so... Perhaps the universe is made up of mind stuff. Now, ideas like this are becoming scientific and quantum physicists are starting to find evidence for Eddington's idea. It's really complex stuff, okay? The relationship is through our thoughts. Now, we went back to 1927, but for the third and final idea, I'm going to go back 2,700 years. I'm going to go back to the book of Proverbs of the Hebrew Bible, written about 700 BCE, and this is it. It's a piece of wisdom that says, you are what you think. Again, what, I, uh, what, what you can get out of this is the idea that thought is really, really important. Uh, the most accurate translation of this is something like, it's not how you act or how you appear to people. It's what goes on inside your head, your thoughts. They reflect the reality of who you are. And again, it kind of says we live in our heads and that the quality of our thoughts contributes greatly to our quality of life. Now, this is a piece of wisdom that has endured almost 3,000 years. It says thinking is important. Thinking gets primacy of place. All right, I'm going to wind forward about 300 years to ancient Greek, Greece, and I want you to see Socrates about to drink the vile vial which will poison him. And one of, the, one of the things that he says, just as he's about to die, is this. The unexamined life is not worth living. Wow, what a statement. This is contained in Plato's Apology. And what Socrates does is he defends himself against a charge of corrupting the youth of Athens. How did he corrupt the youth of Athens? By making them think. His main message was, think about life, think about yourself, think about morality, politics, think about your thoughts and think about your motivations. Just looking at that quote and fleshing it out a bit, this is kind of more of what he said. He said, it is the greatest good to discuss every day ideas about virtue and to test each other and our ideas because the unexamined life is not working. Whoops. We call that a Freudian slip. I actually meant to say the unexamined life is not worth living. Now, the sophists from ancient Greece were wise and skilled. So this is what they did. They thought about life and then they developed skills to live life well. Now, sophists in ancient Greece were not just philosophers, they were also artists, teachers, and people who thought about life and gained skills to apply in life. One of the points that I want to leave you with is that the Hebrew wisdom or the ancient Greek wisdom was written down. And as soon as it was written down, they could work with their thoughts, work with their thoughts, write it down. Collectively for humankind, we have been able to work with our thoughts, 
because we write them down. And this all becomes part of our body of knowledge and we can work with them and refine them and get closer, hopefully, to what the truth or the reality of our existence actually is. And this is what you want to do as an individual. You want to write it down to work with your thoughts so that you can get closer and closer to your own reality. When you write something down, you can appraise it, judge it, accept it or reject it, confirm or refute it or modify it. The idea through this whole course is to think better thoughts because the examined life is worth living. So I'll leave it there for the end of the first podcast. Please remember your two basic skills. That's what we started off with. We started off with the knack, uh, notice, to be aware so that you can choose to concentrate on certain thoughts and remember to work with your thoughts, W-I-D, to write it down, write thoughts down, write beliefs down, write goals down, write it down. Then we looked at the five characteristics of thoughts. You own your thoughts. Your thoughts are constantly changing. Your thoughts are continuous on your stream of consciousness. Thoughts are about things and thoughts about things are selective according to you. Then we looked at some of the scientific fact that we can see thoughts as a race down a neural network as electrical impulses. Then we looked at philosophical speculation, which is now becoming scientific theory. And that is Arthur Eddington's idea that the universe is made of mind stuff. And then we looked at some of the wisdom of thoughts. From 700 BCE, you are what you think. And from 400 BCE, the unexamined life is not worth living. This has been Dr. Christian Heim. I will see you next time.